Welcome to Public Podcast. My name is Todd Stevenson, and we are excited to provide bonus content to our current series, Front Door Conversations. The subtitle of the series is this, Don't Walk Around to the Back Door When the Front Door is Unlocked. When it comes to conflict and tough conversations, many of us walk around the back door. In other words, we avoid the issue that needs to be addressed in the name of saving the relationship. Now, for others of you, you kick down the front door, come in guns blazing, go straight for the issue, but in so doing, you kill the relationship. So there's, there's got to be a better way. And we're calling that better way front door conversations where we address the issue and build the relationship. So we're going deeper into front door conversations by discussing conflict resolution. And one of our leaders, Cindy Bowler, is going to lead this discussion. Now, Cindy's phenomenal. She lives out our public church vision by using her gifts on and off campus. Um, she and her husband, Tom, lead a community group. They do financial coaching together. They serve through development teams with us and with the United Way's version of development teams. On a Sunday, you're probably going to find her at the Info Hub serving with First Impressions. And to top it all off, Cindy, make sure I get this right, she is a licensed clinical social worker. That's right. I practice that. So we are in for a treat. Cindy, thank you so much for joining us and take it away. Thanks for having me, Todd. Um, communication is what we're going to talk about today. And what I want you to understand is just some basic things about communication. Um, it's 55% facial expression and body language, 38% the tone of voice, and only 7% the words that we actually speak. So you're now saying this, we're losing some stuff by being on a podcast? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so this is a big deal because um, communication is complicated. We have to have all of those ways to know what the other person is saying and to interpret their communication correctly. So what do you think that, how do you think that applies, Todd, to emails, text messaging, and social media? Well, it actually confirms a belief I already have that if we're going to have one of these front door conversations, we're going to resolve conflict, we have to do that face-to-face. -face. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, we get ourselves into a lot of conflict with emails, text messaging, and social media because if we can't see the person's face, then we have to um, assume their tone of voice. Now, if you've ever read a text message out loud to somebody else, then you know you're assuming their tone of voice. Now, sometimes it's funny when we read other people's text <laughs> messages, and sometimes it's not really accurate. And so if you're already a little bit upset with somebody, you might read their text message or their email in a negative light or definitely their social media post. Um, if, on the other hand, you really like this person, you're probably going to read a positive tone of voice into that that message you know that's really good and it reminds me that emojis can't fix this you know like <laughs> they can't make up for the fact that we're not looking at each other having the conversation right absolutely so conflicts are unavoidable we will have them and how we deal with them will determine the quality of our relationship with others so people who communicate well and they solve conflicts they're less stressed than those who do not now we just know that based on common sense right mm -hmm. we're less stressed when we have healthy relationships so the good news is that these skills are skills that can be learned. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be excellent at it from birth. You can learn these skills all along the way. So what do you think causes conflicts in the first place, Todd? Um, probably our pride. Just that we're human, that my way is better than your way. Whoever you are, it doesn't matter. I just like my way better. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. And so some of our conflicts are caused by this miscommunication or misunderstandings, but you're right. The other reason is our pride and our selfishness. We want what we want when we want it, <laughs> and we don't want someone else to get in the way. Um, my husband and I have a favorite story about one of our five kids. Uh, when she was a toddler, we're going to let her remain nameless, but when she was a toddler, she had a smoothie, and she had it um, sitting on the kitchen table, and she ran off to play. So my husband came in and he said, hey, um, can I drink this smoothie? I said, well, you'll need to ask her. And so he called to her, can I have that smoothie? And she said, my want it when my want it, uh, <laughs> just as only a toddler could say, right? And we have quoted that a lot around um, through the years because that's the reality of how we are as humans. We want what we want when we want it. And so sometimes our conflicts are caused just because we want our way. James uh, 119 is one of my favorite verses about this. It says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Mm -hmm. So we need to clarify our understanding of communication before we assume the negative about another person. Um, but we also need to be slow to become angry and make sure um, that we know what is actually going on in the relationship. That's good. And I think, you know, for all of us that whole idea of being quick to listen and slow to speak is way easier to hear you talk about cindy and it's much harder to do when our emotions are amped up and we're you know physically responding it's hard to not also like verbally respond in that moment. Absolutely. And that is the big um, problem is that when we get angry, we don't tend to be on our best behavior. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about um, that a little bit, just basic conflict resolution skills. The goal is to learn to talk about feelings rather than acting them out. Um, now, Todd, you have a toddler at your house, and if he throws himself on the floor and kicks and screams and cries, no one is going to judge him for that because he's a toddler. <laughs> But if an older child does that, mm -hmm. or if a teenager does that, and certainly if an adult does that, we have a big, big problem. Yes. So as we are maturing, we need to learn to talk out our feelings instead of act them out. Mm -hmm. We can't kick and scream and um, put our fist in the wall. And those kinds of things, we need to learn how to handle our anger appropriately. And again, these skills can be learned. So if this is you, when you are angry, if you find yourself um, acting this way, you can learn these skills, but you need to ask the Lord to help you and then seek some godly counsel. And can uh, I just say something there, mm -hmm. Cindy? I think that's huge because if you're listening to this podcast and don't follow Jesus, there's definitely application for you, but that application is limited unless we follow him and have access to his Holy Spirit inside of us, giving us limitless power. Absolutely. And so I think that's a really important distinguishment for us to make as we continue this conversation. Absolutely. Um, so my favorite picture, uh, and I'll need you to help me picture this, Todd, uh, for our listeners, um, is, is a picture of an internal trash can. So, mm -hmm. so think of yourself as having a trash can inside, and then what goes in that trash can are things that you don't want to talk about. Mm. So as a child, they might be things that you can't talk about yet. Maybe your parents are divorcing and you're six or seven years old and you're really just not able to talk openly about emotions yet because you don't understand them well enough to talk about them. But what about as an adult when you have a problem with somebody but you don't want to say? It's like you said, you don't want to have those front door conversations. Those things go into that trash can. 
So you've got this internal trash can, you're stuffing some emotions down in there. And Todd, what happens when you your kitchen trash can gets full at home? Well, it happened yesterday, okay. and I have to take the trash out. It, it, otherwise, it just overflows and makes a huge mess. Right, exactly. It overflows. And so um, when it overflows, if you don't take it out, then, um, you know, unfortunately, our emotional trash cans don't tend to overflow on the people we're actually mad at. Very frequently, they overflow on our closest relationships. So that's, you know, the old uh, saying that, you know, you had a bad day at work, you went home and you yelled at your wife, your wife yelled at the kids, your kids yelled at the uh, kick the dog and the dog bit the cat. And so, you know, we don't want to um, take our emotions out on people that we're actually needing to have a front door conversation with. And so um, that's one of the things that happen is that trash can gets full. What's the other thing that happens if you don't take out your trash at home, Todd? It smells really bad, especially with a toddler right. and changing diapers. <laughs> that's for sure. And so the other thing that happens is that is that when our trash cans are full, we tend to start stinking. It's not that we've stopped taking showers, but it is that our attitude begins to be negative about everything around us. And so it's almost as if we put dark glasses on and we see the world in a very negative light. If you find that being true, if you're just kind of down, you just kind of uh, have some blues about some things, you need to check the status of your trash can. Yeah, um, you good. know, that's when the person calls and says, hey, do you want to go swimming? And you used to love to go swimming, but you're like, nah, I don't think so. That's when you have to say, what's going on with me that I'm not really quite myself? And so um, very frequently that is from the trash can being too full. So Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, I would love the whole world to memorize it. So, but I'm going to quote it for you now. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, it says, in your anger, do not sin. Now, the important part about this is that God knows that we're going to get angry. Mm -hmm. It's a fact. And so if you're one of those people who says no Christians don't get angry you're already in trouble because you're stuffing things in your trash can so don't do that it says in your anger do not sin now it says do not sin because God knows we are far more likely to sin when we're angry than when we're not so in your anger do not sin it says do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold and so when we, um, we've all probably heard this, not to let the sun go down when we're still angry. So we know to resolve conflicts quickly. Um, in the newly married world, we often say, now don't go to bed mad right and that's true but sometimes you can't really stay up all night long trying to resolve a conflict you'd need to get a little bit of rest and revisit it the next day yes. so there are times for that to be the case but we want to resolve conflicts quickly but then the last part of that verse is really important it says do not give the devil a foothold so when we don't deal with our anger and the emotions that we're stuffing in the trash can we um, are really are giving the devil a place to stick his foot in our lives and wow. nobody wants that and so we do need to address this, um, this idea of the trash can. What do you do then? What do you do? You pull out one piece of trash at a time and you evaluate it. What do I do with this? Sometimes it's just as simple as asking the Lord to help you work through that, to forgive the person. Sometimes we pull something out of the trash. It's a hurt feeling. And we say, you know what? Now, as, an, as I've gotten away from this situation a little bit, I realize that person was not intending to hurt me. So I can just move on beyond that. It doesn't require a conversation. It's just between you and the Lord getting rid of that piece of trash in your trash can. And Cindy, but, can I just... Yes. I think what you said there is huge about one at a time because 
know, personally, I would probably want to just start empty the trash bag on the floor and just start going through everything at once. But right. you're saying that's really emotionally impossible. Absolutely. We have to deal with these emotions one at a time and put it before Jesus and, and work through it. And then we can move on to the next piece of trash. I, that's exactly. really good. Yeah. So you're going to pull out one thing at a time and figure out where is it, what is this and what do I do with it? And sometimes it's as simple as having that conversation with the Lord about it and then letting it go. <laughs> Sometimes, though, you're going to pull something out of your trash can, and it's going to be something that you know you need to have a front door conversation about. Now, that's kind of dreadful. You have that feeling of, oh, no, really? Just just me and the Lord? We can't work this out? We, I actually have to go and talk to this person? And, you know, it's our responsibility to resolve conflicts and work towards reconciliation, whether we're the offended or we're the offender. You know, Matthew 5 and Luke 17 tell us that, that Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter which position we're in, whether we think we're the person who's been hurt or the person who has done the hurting, that we have a responsibility to go and try to make it right. Mm -hmm. Um, Les and Leslie Parrott are some of my uh, favorite marriage authors. Um, They have a book called The Good Fight, and I'm going to share a little bit about some things from that book that I would recommend, especially for married people. They have a really good format. If you're pulling something out of your trash can and you need to go and talk, they say it like this. In situation X, when you do Y, I feel Z. Can you repeat that one more time? Yes. In situation X, when you do Y, I feel Z. So this would be where I might say to my husband, hey, when you said you were going to be home for dinner at 6 o'clock and you didn't come home till 7 o'clock, I felt like my feelings weren't important to you. And when you do it in this kind of format, it just helps you think, how am I going to say this so that it's not catastrophic? We tend to say, you always hurt my feelings or you never come home on time. And so rather than doing that, we're narrowing it down to a situation. And when we do that, it's a lot easier to resolve that conflict. So, um, you know, another example might be when we're driving down the road and you turn the radio station without uh, acknowledging that I might have been listening to it, that uh, frustrates me. Mm-hmm. And so just getting in a, in a um, formatting it in a way that helps it bring about um, the possibility of reconciliation easier than having it be a big deal. Well, and it's also very specific what you're talking about. I love that, Cindy, because we're not talking about something that happened three years ago or three months ago or really even three hours ago. Hopefully we're able to develop this habit and deal with things quickly before they pile up and my trash stinks and it's overflowing. Exactly. And so, um, you know, we tend to enter into conflict when we're either threatened, we feel threatened or we feel neglected. When, when we feel, um, threatened, it's usually that we feel criticized or judged or demanded, um, or controlled. When we feel neglected, it's usually that we think that other person doesn't care as much as we do, or they're, um, uncommitted in the relationship or they're neglectful. And these are the things that kind of stir up those conflicts when, um, and so just ignore Acknowledging those feelings are so important to realize um, that we we do feel these ways, neglected or threatened. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
Les and Leslie Parrott also have the core of a good fight, an acronym C-O-R-E. So we're going to talk about that a little bit because it's easy to remember. I like that. Um, C is for cooperation. We're fighting for a win-win. You know, defensiveness does not help. Now, I don't know about you, Todd, but when um, I am having a front door conversation, someone's having a front door conversation with me, I should say, I'm defensive. Yes. I, I hate that about myself, but that's my natural tendency is to get defensive. So to just take a step back and say, okay, I'm not going to be defensive. I'm going to really try to listen to what this person has to say. Um, the second thing, the O, is for ownership. Really owning your part of the conflict, even if it was only 5%. We tend to think, oh, the other person was 95% wrong and I was only 5% wrong. Even if that's not true, we can own our part mm-hmm. of the situation. And respect is probably the R's for respect. Respect is probably my favorite one. When couples come to me and they're um, and they say that during their conflicts they uh, belittle each other or criticize each other or even call names, I know that is a huge red flag. It is very difficult to get rid of those names that are in our head after a conflict. And so be so so careful that you're showing respect even in your anger. Even when you're upset, even when you're trying to work through a conflict, do not call names to each wow. other. That's good. And then the E on the core is for, for empathy. Just trying to step into the other person's shoes and really understand their perspective, even if you wouldn't have felt that way. You know, um, when it's a married couple, men and women are quite different from each other. I'm sure you've noticed. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's sometimes we think, well, I wouldn't have felt that way, but that doesn't um, make their feelings not valid. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that we are stepping into their shoes and understanding where they're coming from, even if we, because of our personality or our gender, would not have felt the same way. That's good. And, you know, one thing I read in the book Crucial Conversations was a, a way to live that out is to ask questions. So, you know, you mentioned we don't need to be defensive. So when I'm tempted to be defensive, I can try to, as genuine as I'm, hey, tell me more. Cindy, tell me more. Can you explain that? And that gives me a moment to calm down, but it also gives me a chance to really listen and hear your heart. And then I can try to empathize with you versus just jumping to my defense of myself. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a difficult practice, but the more we practice, the better we get at this stuff. So we tend to give people either horns or halos and uh, judge their motives. I don't know if you've noticed, but whenever there's a conflict arising in any setting, we tend to have this initial judgment of someone else's motives. And we're usually wrong, you know? Yes. And so we want to um, be thinking when there's a difference between expectations and behavior, which there always is, then what do we put in there? And what we put in there usually has to do with how we view that person. So I said earlier uh, in our podcast that if you like the person, you tend to give them a halo, right? So if you're late to an appointment, Todd, I like you. So I think to myself, oh, he must have gotten really busy. He must have um, not been able to get here on time today. And I'm not mad at you because I think to myself, Um, He has a halo. I like him. I'm going to give him what we would call the benefit of a doubt, right? 
And if you're listening, that really happened. I was late to this recording, so this is this is real. <laughs> um, but there's there's going to be a difference between expectation and behavior. And the other thing that we can put in there is horns. So say I was already upset with you about something, and then you were late to the meeting. I might think, well, he doesn't value my time, or he doesn't think I'm important, or any of those other things that we put in when we think negative thoughts about the other. So we want to extend that grace that we want extended to us we want to extend that to others and that is um, sometimes hard to do but very important because we're not that easy to live with ourselves sometimes I when I think about my husband and I'm irritated about things that he might be doing we've been married 30 years and so um, there's been a few annoyances over the years and when I'm annoyed with him about something I say well I'm sure I'm not exactly a joy to live with all the time myself and so it's good for us to extend that grace that we want from others to um, to that other person I love that and that's even what Jesus asked us to do is to, to treat others as we would want to be treated to love them and it can go even higher, not just as we view ourselves, but to love them as Jesus has loved us, which takes this to a whole new level. Absolutely. Absolutely. So loving confrontation really is the key to resolving conflicts. Those front door conversations really do have to happen. And um, when we have them, we need to not be fighting uh, to win our side. We need to be fighting for a win-win. Um, you know, we, you know, on the marriage level, if uh, if you are the winner in your debate that you have with your spouse, you're married to the loser. And who wants to be married to a loser? You know, <laughs> that's really good. It's just no good. So you want to fight um, and remember that you're on the same team. Um, I went to a marriage conference years ago, and they said that we should stick post-it so- notes on our foreheads that say, "Not your enemy." when you're in a conflict because we're on the same team. We're not enemies. And so don't fight as if you're in a debate to win. Mm-hmm. The next thing is to not withdraw from the fight, right? Mm-hmm. Not withdraw from the conversation and go and hide in the bathroom. That's okay if you need a period to cool off, but it's not okay to just run away from conflict and avoid it. Um, and like you said, just just stay at the back door when the front door is open. And then um, not yielding. Um, well, okay, have it your way. If you do that over and over and over, you'll build resentment toward your friend, your coworker, your spouse, you'll build up resentment. So it doesn't work just to yield and, and um, think that you're being the nice person because the resentment and bitterness really does build up. Yeah. And so really what you're saying is if we yield, we're unconsciously adding to our trash can. Absolutely. And so we're actually working against ourselves rather than working for unity with the other person. Absolutely. And uh, we do want to take care of getting that trash can cleaned out and emptied. We won't we don't want to go to Lowe's and get a bigger trash can. We want (laughs) we want to keep that clean and uh, empty as as Ephesians tells us to do. That's good. Uh, Well, Michael Smalley um, has a little acronym love L-U-V. And it's just, again, another good way. Listen be a good active listener that's the l the u is for understand really show empathy and the v is really for validating the other person's emotions um, encouraging them that you'll get through this Um, when you go to somebody to have a front door conversation it's very important to say hey your relationship is very important to me 
I want to work through this because you are important enough to me that I want to resolve this. And so, you know, make sure that you're validating that those other person, that other person's emotions are real and give them that encouragement that Mm -hmm. they need. And would you advise us to do that at the end too? So maybe at the end of the conversation to come back around and say, I love you. I value you. Thank you for taking the time to work through this. Absolutely. Um, Because you want to end on that note of reminding them that, that you had this conversation because you care for them. That makes sense. Not not just because uh, to get your way, you know. Um, So pay attention to your tone and your facial expression. It really does benefit you to walk into a mirror and have a look at what your face looks like. It's not pretty. You know, I raised five kids, and from time to time I would think, I need to hold my facial expression and go and see what my kids are seeing right now. And um, that wasn't always a lovely thing to do for myself, but it helped me realize, I want to be smiling at my children. I am going to speak firmly to me, but to them, but I don't need to look angry when I do it. And then as my kids got older and we're in their teen years, I would say, hey, hold your face, go look in the mirror. <laughs> because, you know, most of us get in trouble for our facial expression, rolling of the eyes, those kinds of things, way more than the words that we actually say. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be careful at knowing how we look when we're angry. That's good. Um, when we resolve our conflicts, one of the things that happens sometimes is that we tend to bring those up again later. That's a sad thing, isn't it? When we've taken the time to have a front door conversation, to work all the way through something, to get to the point of reconciliation, and then a few months later it comes up again, mm-hmm. that's no good. So my favorite story about this is uh, the dead squirrel story. And I must tell it to you. Uh, I heard it years ago and I love it as a good example of not doing this. Um, there were these two boys playing out in the backyard and their mother looked out and she saw that they were playing with a dead squirrel. Now, of course, she was grossed out and horrified. So she opened the door and said, right now, you boys need to bury that squirrel in the ground. Dig a hole and bury it. So they did. But you know what they did? They left just a little bit of the tail sticking up. Now, why did they do such a thing, Todd? I'm not a, I'm not a boy, so I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know either. That's, <laughs> that boys sometimes are unexplainable. <laughs> right. So in this situation, those boys wanted to dig that up from time to time. So they wanted to make sure they marked it and knew where part of the tail was sticking up. And when they would pull that up, they would see how it was coming along in its decay process. So unfortunately, that's a little like we do in our conflicts. We resolve them. We work all the way through them. We forgive each other and we say, okay, we're done with that. But when a couple months later, when another conflict comes up that's similar, we might want to pull up that dead squirrel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just doesn't work. So when you have resolved something all the way to the end, determine not to pull it up again. Um, I know some married couples who will say to each other, that's a dead squirrel. We're not Uh going there. And so it's it's beneficial to just determine that once you've resolved something, you're really going to forgive and you're going to let it go. We don't forget very well. Um, but we can decide to not bring it up again. I love that. And I think it comes back to what you said about we're looking for a win-win. It's a lose-lose if the dead squirrel reemerges. Absolutely. So we're working against ourselves. Absolutely. So um, the uh, last thing I want to talk about is just this idea of trust being the foundation of all relationships. Mm -hmm. The more open and honest and authentic we are with each other, 
the deposits are made into that trust bank. So if you think of having a bank that has deposits and withdrawals, every time we're honest with each other, we're making deposits. And so even these front door conversations that are hard make our relationships authentic. Now, in this whole idea of the trust bank, I talk to my teenagers about this a lot. I say, now that you're driving, you need to make a lot of deposits in the trust bank. Mm. And so if you say, I'm going out for ice cream with my friends and I happen to drive by the ice cream shop and I see your car out there, I will think of that as a deposit. But if I drive by and I don't see your car, that's going to be a withdrawal. It takes a lot of deposits to be able to take a withdrawal. And so you really want to think about trust being the foundation of all relationships, friendships, parenting relationships, children, um, spouse relationships, all relationships are based on trust. We have to trust each other and think of each other as safe enough people to share honestly with. Wow. And that's so good because it goes both ways. It means, you know, in my marriage, I need to trust Whitney and give her the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. It also means I need to think of practical ways to earn her trust, to show her that I'm worthy of that trust. That's really good. Yeah. Um, So whenever I talk about this topic of conflict resolution, there's always somebody who says, Cindy, I have done all of these things, and I have a relationship with somebody that I cannot make any headway with. And that's going to be true. It is only as far as it's possible with you that you can be at peace with everyone. And so it's very painful if you've put all of these things into practice and not been able to make any headway with somebody. But there, um, I want to recommend a book to you if you're in that situation. Uh, Jan Silvius, who's a a Christian counselor, wrote an excellent book called Foolproofing Your Life, F-O-O-L, Foolproofing Your Life. And I would really recommend that to anybody who just has one of those relationships that the other person is not cooperative to resolving conflict. Mm -hmm. You're not able to, to do what you'd like to do in that situation. So I'd recommend that. Uh, foolproofing your life and then of course the other book I recommended was uh, The Good Fight by Les and Leslie Parrott and I appreciate you ending with that Cindy because no doubt some of our listeners are facing that exact situation and if they're not facing it now they will because like you you quoted Romans twelve eighteen, which just says if possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all and it's just not always possible. Right. So. There's a lot of qualifiers in that uh, particular verse for that reason, that we can do our part and we want to do our part. We want to be faithful to do our part of resolving conflict, but it's not always up to us what the other person does. Yes. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for sharing this. And to our listeners, we appreciate you tuning in. And we really hope that you have a practical takeaway that you can take from this. And again, we emphasize apply this as much as you can but if you don't follow jesus there's going to be a limit to that and so really the starting point for us is that we surrender to jesus and then we look to his word to guide us through this but thank you for the books your time like such wisdom and just for our listeners i see this lived out in tom and cindy's marriage she's not just speaking this she lives it in her marriage with her kids with her relationships so i have a ton of respect for you on this issue cindy ah thanks todd yes thank you guys and we look forward to next time